0: Hello. <laughs> so yeah, so I have the privilege of uh, bringing you guys the word. Uh, so I think, as Oana mentioned, it's been, it's been such a wonderful journey uh, going through the book of Thessalonians. Uh, I think the people that came before have, they really managed to unpack the scriptures quite well. And uh, I have the privilege of uh, taking us uh, uh, towards the end, uh, I think it's the second last sermon. This is, we're reading from First Thess- Thessalonians 5. Uh, verse uh, 1 to 11. So uh, take out your mobile devices, your Bible. Uh, scripture will be up here, and uh, follow with me. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon pregnant women. And they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or sleep, uh, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. And so I think the, the hard part was uh, coming in, in a chapter that starts as now concerning. <laughs> It's almost as if you're walking into the middle of the movie. But uh, Bible Study 101, uh, if, if, you want to, if you want to learn more and more about the Bible, learn to contextualize. So to contextualize, we have to go back into the, into the previous chapter, which was actually chapter 4, uh, which Honor actually covered uh, two weeks ago um, in terms of the second coming of Jesus Christ, right? And so, in essence, this is almost part two of that of that conversation. Uh, the conversation that had come up from uh, from the people in the Church of Thessalonica was that what what happens at the second coming in terms of people that have died already. And so, um, we we got to speak about death. Uh, it, it is not a nice thing. I think most of us would have encountered death death to a loved one, a friend, uh, in some part of our lives. And so. Um, essentially, uh, in unpacking it, he said, um, "We need to be able to have hope as Christians that uh, people that have passed on before the second coming, uh, if they were Christians, they will be resurrected, um, and at the resu- at the resurrection, that is that is great great hope. All right, so we do not we do not grieve like the world does. Um, we've got this great hope in Jesus Christ that." Whoever has passed will be resurrected at the end. And so, essentially, when we start off with uh, chapter 5, when Paul says, now concerning, this is almost the second part. This is the, what about us, (laughs) the people that I left behind? How does the second coming affect us? And so, I would almost say the themes for exploration this morning would be uh, the second coming. Uh, the the people that are alive here, who are we while we wait? A reminder of our identity and implications of that identity. So before we dive in, just join me in prayer. Uh, Jesus Christ, uh, we thank you for, for this lovely morning. Uh, we thank you that uh, your word uh, speaks life into, into us, Lord, uh, that whatever situation, scenario that we've walked in with, Lord, um, your word will address that fully, uh, effectively, Lord Jesus. And so um, pray for, for myself, Lord, may it not be the eloquence, may it not be what I know, Lord, but may it be what the Holy Spirit wants to uh, communicate to everyone here, Lord Jesus. Uh, prepare their hearts, uh, may it be as fertile soil, Lord Jesus. Uh, I pray that you may give them the taste buds uh, to taste of the Holy Lord Jesus. And uh, I pray at the end of this, Lord, um, the hope is in you um, and that we are steadfast in you, Lord Jesus. So we thank you and we praise you in the holy name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. So, um, I am a husband of one and a father. <laughs> Why is that a shock? <laughs> uh, and a father of one. Uh, so, I have a daughter. Her name is Rahema. She is uh, going on eight months now. And so, when we, when we heard the news, uh, it was great news. I went to the gyne. Guys are expecting uh, due date sometime in in april right they usually give you a date but we all know that anything can happen before or after all right so i mean we we love life we like to enjoy life uh living life on the edge watching movies the 10 o'clock movie you know so that kind of thing <laughs> so 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 basically uh you know, we, we had a holiday planned for, for the March period, just before the, the birth of our daughter. You know, going to Mozambique, uh, isolated, isolated beach, you know, no one around, no one to disturb you, have fun. Uh, my wife likes diving with sharks, so we're going to do that, you know. Uh, got some vouchers uh, to taste the array of cocktails that Mozambique has to offer, you know, and we even went further. We really, really wanted to enjoy this time. We went further as to, we canceled our medical aid. We're like, we don't really need medical aid, right? We're we going to, no, really. We're going to save all that money so that we can spend it as pocket money in Mozambique, you know? Uh, go wild in a Christian way, of course, there you <laughs> know? <laughs> so, so a lot of you are, are probably like thinking, what, what in the world is going on, Right? Um, and this story is not true right yes it 's not true <laughs> the, It is not true uh, if that was the truth, that would be one of the most reckless things that we could ever do right because if if we know anything about uh the expend- expectancy of a child, you need to prepare right uh, in whether it 's uh, visits to the doctor monthly, whether it is um You know, a change in diet, a change in certain patterns in your life, you know, beefing up your medical aid, uh, ensuring that closer, closer to the date, uh, even though the doctor tells you this date, you know that anything can happen, right? Uh, Closer to the date, you know the route to the hospital, you know, you know you check in, everything is sorted, you know what's going to happen when you get there on the day. I used to work in Johannesburg, I nearly said I work in Johannesburg, I used to work in Johannesburg, and so... One of the things that we did was, you know what? Uh, there should be someone on speed dial that stays in Pretoria in case something happens so that my wife can then call that person and say, hey, it's happening, right? So if you're sitting on the other side and thinking, that was such a cool story, I wish that was true. Please talk to me after the service. Because <laughs> this is not normal. So how does this relate to our text? Paul, uh, verse 1 says, now concerning the times and the season, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, right? goes on to say, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And so so what Paul is saying is that uh, the event doesn't matter, right? Um, Don't get caught up in the second coming, whether it's the 1st of April 2020. But in essence, your heart should be prepared for that in the same vein of my wife and I expecting a daughter to be coming on her way, we cannot continue living life exactly the same way as we were, as if she's not coming, right? There has to be a lifestyle change. There has to be a difference. There has to be an expectancy. It has to be visible in the way that we do life, right? And so much of the theme that we're going to go through uh, in what Paul says here revolves around that. So, um, sweet and short, um, Paul says, it doesn't matter. Um, if we we're in grade five, you would say, stop asking stupid questions. <laughs> All right? So, so, cool. And then he goes on to say, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And so, one, thi- one thing that we, that we have to be able to contextualize is we have to realize that the church back then, uh, was th- it was the early stages of the church. It was a persecuted church, right? So, in other parts of Scripture, Peter addresses the very same question about the coming of Jesus Christ, right? So, the church back then was, I could almost imagine there's a lot of anxiety. People are passing away. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know if your life will be on the line, right? And perhaps you might want Jesus Christ to actually come sooner, you know? So, Ironically, Jesus actually addresses this himself, right? And so we go to Matthew 24, verse uh, 36 to 44. And so uh, these are the words of Jesus Christ. He says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man, Uh, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So, when you go back, what what Paul is communicating is exactly the same thing that Jesus Christ communicates, which is that the event does not matter when this will happen does not matter but one thing we know as believers is that this day will be a day of surprise but there has to be a difference in the way christians and well christians deal with this in comparison to non-christians and that is the difference in our hearts how we live life right so in in expecting the second coming of jesus christ we cannot continue to live life normally and so Paul says, Paul says in um, excuse me, um, verse 3, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant women and they will not escape. And so there's a sense of people continue living life for this moment, for this time not realizing that on any given day you could die or Jesus Christ could come back, and you will have to answer for yourself. So, moving from that, there's a sense of Paul Paul almost reprimands us, uh, reprimands the church, um, and he reprimands us. It feels very hard. <laughs> it's not a nice way of starting, So, but then he gives us a little bit of hope uh, as we move on to... Uh, verse verse 4, 5, 6, and 7. We're going to bang this out as a a whole. And he says, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, are drunk at night. So, there's a, there's a glimmer of hope here, right? Uh, Paul starts it out as, but, right? And so, whenever we hear those words, uh, especially the, but God, right? In this instance, uh, this is specific to the people. He says, but you are not of the darkness, you know? Uh, amen? <laughs> <laughs> so, you are not of the darkness, right? So, Paul is reminding them of their identity, Right? Um, you are not unaware, right? And so, so a lot of, there's a lot of play, player words here, right? So buzzwords here, uh, darkness, night, light, day, uh, sleep, uh, drunk, right? We could get lost in the literal meaning of those words, right? Uh, and we would completely miss what Paul is trying to actually communicate to us, right? So I, I, can, I can almost imagine he's using a lot of metaphors here, I, I think this is the birthplace of Christian hip-hop, right? <laughs> Honestly. So when you think about the metaphors that he's packing here, the extended metaphors, when he goes from darkness to night, I'm sure when they read this letter, the black people in Thessalonica <laughs> were like, you know? So so in essence, we need to read this in its proper context, right? Or else we'll end up in a, in a scenario where Paul says, uh, for those... Uh, so then, let us not sleep. Is Paul saying we should not sleep? Right. So we then need to dig deeper into what is Paul actually talking about right here. Right. So first, when we start inter- interrogating the word uh, darkness, right, when we go through the scriptures, right from Genesis right to Revelations, that the idea of darkness—it's not a positive one, right? Darkness usually it's either uh, symbolizes destruction, uh, destruction of a people of a city. Uh, it's, it's God's wrath, right? Um, usually, it will be, uh, when they mention darkness, it will be related to either uh, gloom, uh, something that is not po- positive. It's, it's got a very ominous um, connotation to it, right? And so, I'm inclined to believe that when Paul uses darkness here, uh, he's talking more about the state of the heart and the deeds of the heart, Mm -hmm. right? So, when he speaks about darkness here, he further extends it to to the night. And he says, uh, this is is the last part of verse 5 from there, and then 6 and 7, he says, uh, we are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who, uh, who get drunk are drunk at night, and so, so extending this metaphor of darkness, he goes into the night, and there, there's, in truth, there's nothing wrong with night. God created night, uh, but as we went through uh, the question of the day in terms of what is about, what is it about the darkness that we fear so much? Well, why is it was it so negative? And you know, a lot of a lot of the stuff made a lot of sense. It's, it's the idea of uncertainty. It's the idea of not knowing, right? Now, when you dig deeper, um, darkness is as well. It's it covers it covers and conceals, right? Um, it doesn't bring into the light, right? Sometimes ga- darkness uh, within the context of night uh, provides us with an escape but unfortunately that escape is a temporary escape, right? And so when Paul, when Paul brings in sleep, we need to remember that um, two weeks ago, Arne spoke about those who are asleep. This is not the same thing, uh, completely different. When Paul speaks about sleep in this current context, um, you can almost imagine what happens when you sleep scientifically, right? It's you're at a relaxed, a relaxed state, uh, you're not aware of your surroundings. Um, you're almost dead to external stimuli. Uh, a lot of things could happen. It's it's a, it's yeah. It's almost a, a position of vulnerability, right? And you don't know any better in that in that context. Yeah, could almost remember. I don't know who went to uh, camps. Yeah. Sleeping was the worst thing ever because you're going to wake up with stuff on your face, toothpaste, and all those things. So, a lot happens, right? And so, in this context, uh, Paul is almost going towards, uh, you don't, when you're asleep, you don't know any better. You don't know the truth of what's really happening around you, right? And then he goes on to speak about uh, being drunk at night, and this could almost have a A twofold meaning to it Uh, drunk literally and drunk metaphorically. Drunk metaphorically, um, when you imagine drunk people, right, um, they have no self control, right? Um, They're not aware of what's going on. A lot of drunk people do a lot of things which the next day will say, I do not remember anything, right? Uh, They can be picked up by strangers. A person could have a field day with them. It's not so much different from someone who's asleep, right? And so that's the one side. The other side is just um people who are drunk are drunk at night. Uh the night brings in it brings in opportunity for for sin to fester, right? And so where do I get these principles from? Uh let's turn to Two scriptures are Romans uh, 13, verse 11 to 14, and then we'll read John uh, 19 to 20. So Romans 13, uh, read with me. Uh, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness, and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual morality and sensuality, not in quarrelling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. In John three, nineteen to twenty. Uh, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So if we return back to the text where Paul speaks about darkness, speaks about light, speaks about sleep, speaks about the night, um, to package this, Essentially, if you find yourself consistently in a place where um, you've got you you love concealment and do not move towards transparency, transparency that you move towards isolation instead of community, uh, if you continuously find yourself at enmity with God, then I would say then that. you then probably do not know Jesus Christ. And I would say then that then you are not in the light, right? And so the difference in darkness and light is not, it's not so much in our actions, um, although those are evident, but it's, it's more so in who we're in relationship with, right? The defining factor here is Jesus Christ in the middle of all of this. And so it's not going to come up, but John 8 verse 12 Bold, audacious statement that Jesus Christ makes. Um, He says, "I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness." And so, what Jesus Christ? This this is a very, very bold statement, right? Um, Indirectly, he's saying, "I am God." He doesn't say, uh, "I'm one of the lights." He doesn't say, um, "I'm a light for a particular nation." He says, "I'm the light," right? So, therefore. If we find ourselves not aligned to Jesus Christ, whether or not uh, you're feeding the poor daily, uh, whether or not you do good works, uh, then I would say that you're probably in darkness because darkness and light are more related to who do we know. Right? So, as we move further, um, I beat you with a stick again. (laughs) So, it's so not me, it's Paul, though. So, um, we move back to the text, and uh, Paul speaks, and he says, but but you're not of the darkness. Amen? Huh? So, he says, you're not of the darkness. Um, that day will not surprise you. right? For you are all children of light, uh, children of the day. Right? This, this idea of children, um, in other translations, it's It's sons, right? So if we move back to um, the ancient world, uh, Jewish culture, um, sons were revered. Uh, Sons represented um, the inheritance of the family. Sons were the lineage, right? When you read through a lot of the scriptures, the lineage of the family will be carried through the sons, right? Right? So there's a heavy weight in terms of sons. And so when, when Paul says, uh, you are children of the light, children of the day, um, in essence he's saying, sons of the light, sons of the day. He says you are hemmed into Jesus Christ, that you're part, you are co heirs with him. Uh, same inheritance, right? And so we already know that Jesus Christ has already declared himself as the light of the world. There's no one else like him right? So, that is great joy. And so, we move further on into uh, verse 8. And he say, Paul says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. So, this kind of gets, gets in te- intense. So, faith, love, and hope are uh, pillars of what we believe in, essentially. Faith, uh, is what brings us to Jesus Christ, the hope, the hope of the resurrection, that the hope that one day will be reun- reunited with Him, right? And love, love was put on the cross, and that's how we get the gospel, right? But the picture that Paul paints here, it, it's not, it's not a, it's not a peaceful one, right? Uh, he's using a lot of, um, I guess in our time it would be army. Army language, right? It, it's metaphorically speaking, is almost painting a battleground, right? So what what Paul is essentially saying is that, inasmuch as uh, Jesus Christ he he's been resurrected, um, you will be resurrected uh, at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, this this space between now and the second coming, or the space between now and your death, it's it's a war zone, right? Uh, we are not to coast. We are not to sit back and think, uh, I'm saved, therefore everything is fine, right? So Paul paints this picture of, um, of a Roman soldier putting on his armor. He says, uh, put on the breastplate, uh, the helmet of the hope of salvation. Uh, in the previous verse that I read, Romans 13, uh, he speaks about uh, put on the armor of light. There's a lot of put on, put on, Right? And so, I always, I always say this to my wife, you know. Uh, bad day at work, uh, things are not working as I want them to. I have to remember, Babylon owes us nothing. Mm. Right? Babylon owes us nothing. This current world that we live in, it, it only makes logical sense that it will grind against us. It will chafe against us. Right? So, if we continuously find ourselves... In the stream of popular culture and everything, we're flowing the same direction as the rest of the world. Then I would probably say we might not be Christians or disobedient Christians. Right. So Paul is painting the picture of a battleground here, and this will this will happen every day. Right. Um, For the people that are married, uh, Satan is after your marriage. You know. Um, For the young men, the young women. Satan is after your purity. right? Satan is after our integrity. So we cannot sit back and think to ourselves that um, everything is going well. I'm a Christian. Um, I've got a family. My house is in order or whatever. That is, that is the same peace and security that Paul speaks about right at the beginning, that uh, some are saying this peace and security. Um, unless we're in Christ, there is no peace and security. right So So we then move further on to verse nine and 10, uh, where Paul says, um, "For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him." Right? And so, so God so God loves us. God does not want does not want anyone to go to hell. Right. That's what the scripture says. Right. But as I said previously, men have loved the darkness. Um, darkness serves to conceal from the light. Darkness serves to continue our own agenda where we are where we, we think we are our own lords, our own we've got our own little kingdom. But it's it's the proverbial castle on the sand on a Sand foundation. It's gonna to topple eventually. So so Paul says God has not destined us for earth, but for to obtain salvation uh through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. And that is that is the great hope. That is the hope that if you're sitting here, uh you have not walked the road to salvation. There's an opportunity today. Yeah. There is an opportunity today. All right. And so he goes on further to say and he says. So whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Right? And so once again, the sleep that Paul speaks of here, it's not the same one that we just spoke about. Right? This is back to honest teaching. This is the sleep of when you pass away, right? And so Paul is saying that whether you're awake or asleep, you will live with him. And what is what is He's actually almost, he's gone through all these verses where he's spoken about darkness, he's spoken about light, but at the end he summarizes it, essentially saying that second coming, it doesn't matter. You need to get the whole idea of an event out of your mind. And I could go on further as to say, um, I had to do the sinner's prayer, right? Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I had to do it. And Sometimes we we live in the event of the sinner's prayer, right? We we live in events, but Jesus Christ in John he says, "This is eternal life that you might know the Father." Uh, he, he doesn't say, "This might be or this will be." He says, "This is eternal life." Essentially, as soon as you get saved, you you started eternal life, right? It starts now. It starts rela- with a relationship with the Father, with the Son, right? And so, what, when Paul says, whether you, you're dead or alive, saying it doesn't matter. You're already in relationship with God right now. Amen. You don't have to wait for the second coming. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, when Jesus Christ comes back, it doesn't matter. If you're hemmed in Him, it, it's more glory. You will not be surprised. But you already have been in relationship with Him. But the dark side of this is obviously... Um, I need to speak truth and say that. He says, "I have not destined anyone for wrath." And that—that's a heavy statement because, unfortunately, we live in a culture where we we tend to say statements like, uh, "I'll come to Christ when I've figured myself out," right? I'll wait for a particular part of my life to happen. Let me get my degree. Let me start work. Um, Then I'll come to Christ. Let me sort out this whole mess. Then I'll come to Christ. Right? What if the future never comes and you never get that opportunity? Right? And so salvation is available today because you will miss this opportunity um, right now. And so Paul moves on. um, Verse 11 where he says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And this is, this is uh, shepherding Paul, as uh, Zona put it the other week, right? So, he puts on his, his hat, starts shepherding, starts encouraging, and he uses almost the same words to, to finish off uh, chapter 4, with the exception of that. In this one, he says, and build one another up, right? So, let's rewind a bit. Therefore, encourage one another, encourage uh, Greek translation also means to comfort. Uh, in the context that Ona preached, then uh, people were losing their loved ones. Um, there was a sense of I, I need to have hope, right? And so Paul is saying, comfort one another, comfort one another with these words, comfort one another with the fact that uh, your loved ones who are in Christ, although they have died, they will be resurrected with Jesus Christ at the second coming right, that we do not grieve like the rest of the world, right, but then to the second party adds and build build one another up, right, Um, build, once again, Greek, another word, it's to edify, right, edify, fancy word to say, um, instruct, improve morally, spiritually, right, so it he changes, it changes the tune a bit and he, he contextualizes the fact that now you guys are left here. You guys need to live now, right? You guys are in the, in the middle of, well, now and the second coming. What happens now? And Paul is saying that comfort one another, but also build one another up, right? Edify one another, right? Um, encourage each other spiritually to move towards God right? Um, and how do we do that? We do that by reminding ourselves of our identity in Jesus Christ as children of the light, children of the day, right? That um, Jesus Christ has done the work, and that the, the current world that we live in, it's not supposed to be conducive to Christians. So if it is too hard, uh, it makes sense. But there's a great hope in that at the resurrection, Will be with Jesus Christ. So yeah, so yeah. Let's pray, and uh, as the band comes up, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, we we thank you that uh, thousands and thousands of years later on, we can marvel uh, in your word that the same issues that the previous church, the old church, was wrestling with in terms of your second coming. Uh, are things that are not exactly too foreign from us, Lord Jesus, that uh, even in our current context, Lord, we, we struggle. What, what is supposed to happen now? Uh, what is supposed to happen in this moment where we are waiting for you, Lord? And um, we, we praise you, Lord, for the encouragement that we get from the scriptures, but more so, um, I pray that we may not be Christians on the sidelines, Lord. There's a darkness in this world, Lord. Uh, there's a lot of people that do not know you. There's a lot of people that uh, need the gospel, Lord. Uh, I pray that uh, we may be spurred on uh, to bring many more uh, into your kingdom, Lord Jesus. That we may share of the great work, as the uh, chaplain shared earlier, in terms of what you've done. You've done in, Lord Jesus. So um, we pray, Lord Jesus, that uh, work in our hearts. Um, for the people that believe, um, continue to, to continue believing uh, progressively. And for those that do not know you, Lord, I pray that uh, today is the opportunity where they get to answer the hard questions of where do I stand with Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. In your only name we pray. Amen.